everyone. It's Lauren, and this is Swearing Mamas. I'm back this week with a special guest. You've heard her before. She's one of my best friends. Her name is Caroline. Hey, everyone. (laughs) So in case you guys didn't hear our episode a while back, just real quick, let everyone know who you are and tell them about your YouTube and all of that. Yep. My name is Caroline Pemberton. I have a YouTube channel called Naturally Caroline Pemberton uh, with an Instagram and a Facebook page if you want to follow. Um, yeah, I have other projects going on. I'll be a podcast coming out soon, which Lauren will definitely be a guest on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of briefly who I am. I'm a mom of one little almost 15 month year as well. One of Oliver's best little friends. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, this week we're talking about breastfeeding, which we I talked about with Lindsay in the past. Um, and we talked a little bit about our general experiences, but today we're really going to focus more on supply. Um, I feel like it's something that I hear a whole lot from um, especially new moms uh, is it, it's a, or moms to be, it's a concern. Um, and it's also something that I've heard a lot of women struggle with. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, first off, if you just want to go ahead and kind of talk a little bit about your, um, breastfeeding experience, Caroline, cause it's maybe a little different from mine. Yes. And yes, my breastfeeding experience was pretty complicated. So I went into it knowing that obviously I wanted to breastfeed and I would like to solely breastfeed, not use formula. However, after my son was born during the first week, we worked with a lactation consultant and found out that he had a tongue tie and my that actually prevented my milk from coming in. So for those of you who don't know what a tongue tie is or haven't heard that term before, it's where the ligament underneath their tongue is too tight or too long and it holds their tongue down, and so they can't um, accurately nurse, and therefore it can cause sores and issues and uh, lack of production. So what happened with me is my milk didn't come in, and he was losing weight pretty quickly. And thankfully, I knew Lauren back then as well, and she was able to pump extra and supplement us while my supply increased. Um, yeah, which, you know, for anyone who has a support like that, it is, is amazing and very helpful. But anyway, um, I ended up having to have a whole extremely complicated routine of breastfeeding and pumping afterwards while my husband bottle fed our son and, um, changes in my diet and lots of crazy stuff. But after, I guess it was like two and a half months. Does that sound right, Lauren? Like two and a half, yes, three months. I so. Yeah. It yeah. was around then that we didn't need as much, um, milk from Lauren to get through. And, um, I was able to slow down on pumping as well. And Charlie was getting enough and growing the way he needed to. Um, Outside of that, things went well for a while. I was able to pump some and store. However, anytime I pumped, I don't get a lot. It's like my body only wants to produce what he needs and really nothing extra. But 
I guess towards the end of last year, around December, his appetite went up drastically and he had already been eating solids, but really wanted more milk at night. And um, I ended up having to start pumping again and change my routine to increase my production. And my life completely changed. My schedule had to change and it did get better and it came back and his appetite has changed. And now we're in a really good routine. Again, he's currently 15 months and still nursing. Um, sometimes more than like six, seven times a day and sometimes just like three. Um, but yeah, that's a history of my nursing experience. <laughs> nice. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so for me, it's funny because like at the time before I ended up pumping for Charlie, I was like, I guess I was just pumping because I felt that's what you're supposed to do, uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know. like to have a stash. But also, I think I was like, so I'm just kind of the person who's like thrifty in a way. So I was like, oh my God, look at all this free food coming from my boobs. Um, I'm going to just like save it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to do that. And in my mind, I was planning to like make oatmeal with it. Joke on me. Oliver hates oatmeal. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was planning to use it for different things. And at the time, I was thinking that like it would be cool to donate milk, which is a thing you can do if anyone listening mm -hmm. has a surplus. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of just like. I was en ended up able to like do that for you guys, which was nice, but, um, we don't, I don't pump anymore by any means. Um, I don't think I have enough to pump anymore. Uh, but maybe that's also cause I stopped pumping. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And that's, that's a, that we can get into, I guess in a little bit because, um, because I did find that as well. Like I was able to pump more towards the beginning. Um, but since, you know, he didn't need it and I stopped pumping. Um, yeah, my body just doesn't, it doesn't respond anymore. Yeah. And pumping is a lot of work too. Yes. I really feel like they need to prepare people for this because you see all those pictures on the pumping machine boxes with the moms typing on their computer, standing in the kitchen and, <laughs> you know, working or doing whatever. And it's not that reality. Um, it's, no. it's a messy, vulnerable experience and you're stuck attached to a machine for Lord knows how long, unless you have a manual pump and that I don't even want to even attempt. <laughs> I actually have a manual pump. I oh, think see, I, I didn't know that. It, like I got it when I was, uh, ugh, I don't even remember where I was going. I was going somewhere that I was going to be, I think it was like I was playing a show or something that was a little bit further away and oh. I wanted to have it like just in case. No, actually, I think it was when I first worked that shift. Um, I like filled in, I don't know if I mentioned on here before, but I did, I am on like this, what do you call it? It's like on-demand sort of barista mm -hmm. service, like I can pick up a job or not sort of a deal. And I ended up uh, breasting one day. So I think that might've been why I got it. But it, anyway, I brought it. I didn't use it. So mm -hmm. I've used it like once or twice, but yeah, it's like a lot of work. Um, but yeah. And then just having it clean and sanitize everything all the time. Oh yes. I mean, yeah. we have enough dishes as it is. And then you add all the pumping stuff to it and it's, it's insane. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, that is a really cool thing. Um, like there are milk banks, I think everywhere, right? Yeah, they they are. Um, well, especially in the major cities, and I know a lot. Of, there's actually some. I guess milk exchanges. I don't know what the term is for it online. Mm -hmm. And that way you can find local people who have milk. Um, Like receiving Lauren's was great for me because she is vegan as well. And I didn't have to worry about, I guess the quality of the milk I was looking for, for my son, but also he was at a point that he wasn't at risk for like, I, I don't know exactly how to put it. He didn't qualify for anything from a milk bank because he could have formula or other things. He wasn't a preemie. He didn't have digestive issues with formula or anything that they would think of. And so I wouldn't have gotten any. Um, so I think it is incredible for moms who may already have extra milk and want to donate. They could also look for other people in the area directly who need it um, in a more informal way. But it's it's a really big help. Yeah, I think a couple of times on, I think it was in mom groups I'm on on Facebook, but it could have been a yard sale group. But <laughs> one of those, one of those like local groups on Facebook, I've seen a couple of times moms say like, hey, mm-hmm. I need to empty my stash out of my freezer. Exactly. It? Yeah, because that's, that's a good point too. A lot of people who are able to express more and have that backup storage in their freezer. Um, For me, mine was always on the verge of being emptied. So we only could keep, I don't know, less than 10 ounces in the freezer at times. Um, Yeah, we couldn't store enough. But so for moms who have that extra, if they hit that, you know, mark where it's about to expire, it's a really good time also to, to give to other people. Yeah. So with all of the, you know, obviously I think the amount of work that you put into it is like awesome. (laughs) It's like a lot of hard work. Yes. And do you feel like it's all worth it and you would do it again? Or like, what is your feelings now? Because you're still breastfeeding, but obviously now it's it's less, you said, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. And also, you know, he's not nursing for 30 or 45 minutes like he would when he was an infant. And so now that he's getting to be a toddler, um, it's quick like little snacks for him that he does throughout the day and just longer before bed. So I do think it is, it's definitely worth it to me to continue um, breastfeeding. And when Uh, My husband and I do plan on having more children, and so our hope is that we can start off on a better foot, that our next child won't have a tongue tie or a nursing issue that causes slow production. So what I've actually heard from my lactation consultant and other sources um, is that I actually could have a different supply next time. I may have an overproduction like Lauren did or, um, you know, just something a little bit healthier and my milk should come in faster. So I I definitely think it'll be worth a shot. If I do end up running into an issue where our next child has a tongue tie and we do have issues, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we could. And it's like a hard decision for us, but having a schedule of waking up every hour and a half and having to wake up your child to nurse um, in order to get your production up is torture for everyone involved. So that's one where I have a friend who went through that and her milk production never went up and she moved on to formula and she doesn't regret it. 
because she was able to have peace of mind and get a restful sleep and be able to take care of her child in a better state. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a tricky thing where I feel like this is a good topic that we're talking about on a podcast because whenever this is written down, uh, it really upsets people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think everyone on both sides feels strongly about it. Exactly. Um, And basically, I guess like what I would want to convey, especially just watching that you got it figured out, you know, Mm -hmm. is that like it really usually is possible Mm-hmm, to, to work increase. through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people feel like when you say that, that you're saying like, you have to do it. And that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But if it's something you really want, there's oftentimes so many things that you can do. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. just don't know. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, there are obviously specific cases or genetic issues if you can't um, breastfeed or something. So we do obviously acknowledge that, but, um, I do agree. It's, it's extremely heated on either side. You know, you have a lot of moms that are breast is best and, uh, refuse to do anything else. And, um, moms who are strictly formula and, um, I'm one, it's, it's really however it works for everyone. However, going through what I did, I know all of the changes I made and, could see direct results in my breast milk production. And I think that's something that you have to consider. And there's things that even if, even if you're working really hard and your stress level is extremely high, that can cause your production to go lower. Your diet changes it. That happened to me at one point. And I had to really increase the amount of calories I was eating um, in order to get my breast milk production back up. So there's there's a lot to consider, but if you put in the hard work and have the support system, like a really supportive um, spouse or family members that help, um, I think that also can make or break it. Definitely. I, when you said that about stress, like I think that the, and this is just my opinion, I don't know the facts, <laughs> but I would be willing to bet that like the number one, like, problem behind supply issues is that new moms are just not given the opportunity to rest, to eat well, to, I don't want to say relax, but like the stress that parents are under is immense, Uh, especially now, I would say like more than ever. Um, Oh yeah. I I definitely agree. Yeah. And that's one reason why it is so important as a new mom to like make time for yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever that means for you, whether it's meditating once a day or going for a walk or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's different for everyone, but I just think that like, if you are always stressed and sleep deprived, like your supply is always going to struggle. Even me, like my supply would go so low when I was tired and stressed out. Oh yeah. And I remember you telling me at times where you thought you were going to dry up because it would decrease. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thing too. Um, my, my husband and I obviously were both new parents and extremely stressed out. And, um, 
through a lot of getting my production up, you know, we would both sit down and just cry, um, trying to figure out what to do. Cause you're just so exhausted and sleep deprived to a point that you don't understand. And I think until you become a parent, but, um, the thing that we found interesting is we held so strictly to the schedule that our lactation consultant gave us that I feel like at times we made it worse because of the stress level increasing. Um, so Lauren, you had a really good point there. I, I really feel like, you know, for us, when David and I decided a little experiment for a couple of days and actually let Charles breastfeed on demand, um, he fed a little bit less, but my production went up because I was not stressed out about that schedule we were keeping. And that was the point, um, the tipping point of when my milk production actually went up where I didn't have to pump as regularly. Um, and we, we definitely attribute it to the stress reduction. Oh yeah. That's awesome to hear. Like, and I also feel like if your child's not like losing, like if your child's gaining and they're healthy and everything, so you can breastfeed on demand that in and of itself does take that stress away. Because like, if like the whole time that Oliver was, you know, an infant and (laughs) nursing all the time, I just kept thinking I don't think I would know that he needed a bottle right now because he would have hunger cues. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's how I knew to put him to the breast. But like, I just don't, I think that would have been so stressful for me to be like, oh my God, he needs a bottle right now. Yes. You know, well, and the boob is always on you. Yes, exactly. And they can, you know, pull your shirt down like ours, I think, do now or, <laughs> um, you know, nuzzle, do whatever they did when they were infants to give us the cue. Um, but I, I definitely agree. I feel like it's a little bit different, um, especially when they can't sign or their communications um, a lot lower where they really can't communicate aside for crying and some cues. It's, um, it's extremely hard to tell, but they could always refuse the breast and it's a little bit different than making a bottle. And I know from my friends, I know who bottle feed or my sister's a nanny and she bottles feeds um, the kid she's nannying right now. And I know that their eating is different. Um, Like she doesn't eat um, solid foods as well, still requires a lot of formula. And she drinks so much more formula than I would be giving in breast milk. Um, So I always found that interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Rarely did we actually measure how much he was nursing, though. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But I sometimes I would look at my boobs and be like, how much do I think it looks like in there? You know, that's <laughs> it's a really interesting point, though, because, you know, I guess women, you know, when we breastfeed, we get really engorged and you don't know how much milk is actually in there. And it's actually a lot less than you can tell by size, which I found out from my lactation consultant. What they actually had to do in the first few weeks that we were starting everything is they would weigh Charlie when they came in and um, I would nurse Charlie and they would weigh him after so they could actually see how much milk he got. And it's it's incredible that that's what they had to do. But at that point, you know, he had been losing. He lost a full pound before my production went up from birth. So he went from seven pounds to six pounds and you know, it's a very scary thing. And if you can't just, you know, express and then bottle feed, that's not what we were really doing at the time. So you don't, it's just a guessing game and you just have to, you know, measure their actual growth and see 
if they're getting enough. Yeah, it it is so nerve wracking like <laughs> as a new mom to be like, is my child eating enough? And so I definitely can understand why mm-hmm. people do feel like it's easier to formula feed after that struggle has already come up. Yeah. But which is nothing wrong with that. You no. know, like if that is what ends up working for someone, then that's mm-hmm. fine. But I often like really want to tell people who are struggling and feeling a little self-conscious that like you can do so much. And there are, um, I think also few people know how many lactation consultants there are available oh, yeah. oftentimes for free. Exactly. I mean, luckily ours was covered under our kind of midwife plan we had, um, but there are definitely hospitals or different clinics you can work for and have a lactation consultant because a lot of people would rather have you breastfeed. So, you know, for one, it's more cost effective, but also, um, you know, you're able, yeah, you're able to um, have that extra support and, um, I guess that's not really touched on as well. So many new moms have babies and you're so isolated in those first few months that, you know, you're hearing all this advice from your friends and family, um, but you don't necessarily have those support groups you want to talk to. And I think now we're so lucky to have the online access we do. So, you know, you and I can go online and research and find groups or talk to Lalechi League and um, and get more information. And I think that makes just a drastic difference of our ability to keep going and to kind of calm down those anxious moments if, if we don't know we're doing the right thing. When you mentioned going online and chatting, <laughs> It made me think of uh, my bloody boob story. I don't know if I've told it on here or not. Oh, yes. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So Oliver was still pretty new, uh, probably only a few months old. And um, I had gotten into bed and started nursing him and I had some kind of snack. And uh, then I... I think he fell asleep, so I went and just, like, sat him in the pack-and-play and, like, climbed back in bed and went to sleep myself. I was very tired. And um, I was sleeping face down, and I woke up and turned over, and I see this, what looks to be, dried blood on my boob, but it's above my nipple. Mm -hmm. And I was really freaked out. For those who don't know, I'm very woozy about blood. We just <laughs> talked about that today, didn't we? Yep. Um, so I'm feeling nauseous trying to look at it. And I'm like, oh God, this is a lot of blood. It's probably like the size of a quarter. Yeah, she also and- called me during this. So for those of you <laughs> listening, she called panicking. Yeah. I-, I was like so freaked out. It was like, oh my God, like my kid, like, did he really bite me like this? Or like, what, you know, what happened? How did this happen? I knew he didn't like, yeah, I knew he didn't like chomp. I don't think he had teeth yet, but like, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe he somehow did it or like something. So I'm on like talking to Caroline. I'm chatting online with, um, some breastfeeding website and everything and trying to figure out and they're telling me what to do with my boobs and I was like can I still nurse him it seems like a lot of blood he might ingest (laughs) and they're like it's fine whatever whatever so then I go into the other room with like a better light maybe (laughs) and I look um 
oh, I had taken the sheet. That's what. Because, of course, I was sleeping face down. So the sheet oh, yeah. had gotten this blood on it, too. Take the sheet into the laundry room to wash it. And upon closer inspection, I see a piece of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that was the source of my quote unquote blood. <laughs> yep. And also, <laughs> yeah, it could easily be the sleep deprivation or what's happening mm-hmm. with early moms. But it would be, oh, I just remember you calling and panicking and it was so horrible. And then you calling, dying, laughing, telling me what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> just a snack and that's pretty much me in a nutshell <laughs> finding chocolate on myself oh yeah it's it's definitely interesting the things that can happen I don't think I've ever been as attentive of my boobs and nipples after breastfeeding because so many things change or could happen I've had biting issues too or sores when I first started because of his tongue tie so I have to like monitor things at times and all these weird things happen and um like did I ever tell you about what I learned about what's called blebs is this the gooey thing I don't know if you're thinking of the right thing just say it. But a, a bleb, it's like B-L-E-B is like the technical term that they gave me. But it's like uh, basically part of your nipple looks like it has like a bubble on it that's not popping and it's just fluid kind of stuck under the nipple. And it's just the weirdest thing. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. But I'm like, is it going to pop? Is this bad? Is it disgusting? And like, I don't even know what to expect. And I'm like, no, it'll just go away. And it's like, okay. I'll just have this weird bubble on my nipple for I don't know how long. Thanks. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> I think what I was thinking of is a clogged duct. Have you ever seen when they unclog a duct and like that string? Oh, that's. Of, like, oh, yes. I've, that? I didn't. I've heard oh. about it. And then I saw pictures like a couple of months ago and I just yeah. wanted to throw my phone. I luckily yeah. I have never run into an issue with mastitis or clogged <sighs> milk ducts. And I just, you know, have so much sympathy for those who have. Um, but the process of unclogging your milk duct and what comes out is nothing I would ever expect. And I hope never to see for the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Do, um, but speaking on the, uh, sores and different things like that, did you have any good remedies that maybe, because my thought is maybe we have some new moms who will hear this episode. So, yeah, well, what happens again with the tongue tie, his tongue wasn't able to go past his teeth. And so that's really necessary for the tongue to go further to help nurse to get accurate suction and all of that. So because of that, um, there was more friction on my nipple than needed to be. And yes, I had open sores and bleeding wounds and scabs on my nipples while I was trying to increase production. And for any of you who've ever gone through that issue knows how painful it can be. And it's very hard to continue nursing when every time they latch, you just want to cry. Um, and breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. I know people are like, oh, it's normal for it to hurt in the beginning. It's not. If it's hurting, there's normally something going on. Um, But yes, what happened is we ended up using, like, after every time I would nurse, I would have to wash and then put on uh, Bactracin, which is a lower 
um, antibiotic count like Neosporin or something like that. So it's um, safer for infants to be exposed to. Um, and then I know I got them at Target and I honestly don't remember the name, but they're these like square pads, probably like two or three inches by two or three inches. And they're a gel material, but it's a hydrating gel and it's an adhesive that you would stick on your nipple and then put your bra on. And putting that on in between helped heal it because it kept moisture on that was also clean and I didn't have to worry about anything rubbing. Um, and it helped the pain because they were cooling. So that was one of the best things I've ever used. Um, and honestly, I don't know the name. If I can find it, I think Lauren could leave it in the notes of this podcast so that yeah, way you can that find sounds it. So was it the Medela brand? It's possible. It is. I just possible googled it, but these look like condoms. No, see, these didn't look like condoms. <laughs> That's, That's gross. <laughs> yeah, these these were square. It came in like a large square pack, like a medically sealed that you would undo, and it has a certain amount of squares in it. And you can reuse yours a certain amount of times. Again, it's been a while since I've done it, so I don't remember exactly. But you'd reuse it a certain amount of times and then throw it away and start a new one. Um, but yes, they that were a, a lifesaver. Yes. Even just like... Well, I didn't get too many times of that, mm -hmm. but like those first, maybe the first like week or two, mm -hmm. I was pretty sore and just like, you know, I don't know, like chap, is chapped the word? I would, yeah, I would use that term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I was using that uh, Earth Mama nipple balm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's uh, a great one I've heard. Yeah, it's nice and it smells good. I didn't feel bad. <laughs> I didn't feel uh, bad using it if Oliver got any mm -hmm. because it kind of it's like got cocoa butter mm -hmm. in it and it smelled like chocolate. And <laughs> I I was like, ooh, chocolate milk today. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would have loved these uh, gel pads. That would be a good thing to include in like a uh, a care mom. package. Yeah. yeah. I definitely um, think so because most moms are going to run into latch issues in the beginning and have a sore too. Yeah, Oliver didn't. He didn't really have too many like issues inside the mouth, but what his issue was, and he still does this sometimes, mm -hmm. was he would tuck he would tuck his top lip under. Oh, it would be like he would be like basically sucking in his top lip. It was huh. not. It's not pleasant when he does it. I always have to. You know, to put my finger just like above his lip, like under his nose, and like pull, pull it, it up out. gently. Yeah. Um, does which, it like again, really pinch or what? What did it yes, feel like? Yes, it pinches a lot. Yeah. And um, that was part of what made it hard to oh, nurse no. and made me feel like it wasn't going right. And I actually learned that at the lactation clinic at yeah. uh, the hospital, the where I delivered. They have a lactation clinic. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, they were like, yeah, you just pull his lip out. I'm like, oh, it was that easy. <laughs> it's like, I wish I knew this in the beginning. Yeah. But the one thing that I, um, that really helped me a lot when I was sore in the beginning and burning a little bit like that was, um, tea bags, mm -hmm. like a warm, uh, just like a black tea bag with, a just the tannins are soothing. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember you told me that because I called you after we first started and you told me about the tea bags as well. I know I did that off and on, but I always had the gel packs on in the beginning. So it was like, oh, yeah. when would I have time to do this? <laughs> Just got to take turns on what is currently sitting on your nipple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, was there... I know you and I have talked off of the podcast about like different things that we would eat or drink that affected our supply a little bit. I feel oh, yeah. like those those things are not the game changer that a full night of sleep makes. No, but, I definitely agree with that. They make a difference. Well, sp- well yeah. they're cumulative too. So I feel like if you have multiple bad days and a couple of good days, you're not going – if you have more bad days than good days with your diet, you're not going to see a change. I I believe. But if you have more good days than off days, I think that you can see a change. But yes, the stress reduction and the good night's sleep make a big difference. Like drastic difference. Totally. Um what did you find like anything to incorporate or take out of your diet that helped? Yes. So Um, the big things at first were to, I know coffee and tea, they really wanted me to stay away in the beginning. Um, and I didn't drink coffee through my pregnancy, so I wasn't like, you know, really craving it. Um, so I didn't drink coffee until, I don't know, like four or five months ago. So very recently, but, um, that was a big one. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't remember as much of what I limited, but I do remember, well, water is obviously a given. You have to stay hydrated. Um, oats make a big difference on increasing production. Um, oats all the way. Yeah. I, I mean, I swear I had overnight oats every day for a year, it seemed. I My family made fun of me for it because I always had them. Um, I'd be sitting there and eating those while nursing Charlie in the morning. Um, <laughs> hey, they're delicious. Oh, they are. They're so good. <laughs> um, so that makes a big difference. Um, I also, and Lauren and I have talked about this outside of podcasting. Um, I made an herbal tea, um, which again, I would have to get the list of exactly what's in it, but I know it has oat straw and red raspberry leaf and, um, nettle. There's a few other things in it. I think there's like six different herbs, but it actually made a pretty big difference in increasing my production. I would drink it uh, two to three times a day. Um, Sometimes I would infuse it in water, but it was extremely bitter. So it was like really hard to get down um, like an overnight infusion. Um, I preferred it as a hot tea, but I'd have to ingest more of it for it to help, which is sometimes worth it if you don't have to like, you know, choke something down. Um, and then Lauren, you actually gave me, uh, fenugreek seeds and I had not heard of that, which is so funny because that's one of the top tips for increasing. Um, I remember you told me that, you know, it smelled like maple syrup and I didn't really believe you until I had it. Um, (laughs) and I found out afterwards, the best way to know you're at the right dose to increase milk production is if your sweat and pee smells like maple syrup, (laughs) which makes for very awkward conversations with your spouse. Um, but yes, it, it, that actually was one of the biggest things too. Um, that made a, a really big difference and it tastes good. You get really used to drinking it. And so that was nice. 
Yeah, I actually really like the tea that you made. Mm -hmm. She gave me some, guys. Um, I actually still have like a tiny bit left. Um, Oh, I have a ton. So if you want more. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, one thing that I actually would do is so I would make it a whole pot of it in my Mm -hmm. tea kettle because I have like a basket infuser. Yeah. And um, then whatever I didn't finish throughout the morning or however long I'm drinking tea, mm-hmm. I would uh, just store it in the fridge, like in glass bottles or whatever. Yep. And then the next day, I really liked to uh, use that tea mm-hmm. to make green tea. <laughs> oh, see, I like that though, because you would add like green tea with it. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's a good And idea. it was really tasty. The other thing about that tea, we're going to have to um, see if we can get that uh, recipe for- Oh yeah, I'll get it all. It um is really good for whenever my stomach was upset. <laughs> oh, see, that's interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. So it helped like nausea and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome. It's a good one. It's a good one. We'll we'll get you guys the the info. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. I did use brewer's yeast sometimes. Oh, see, I didn't know that made a difference, but I use that all the time anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brewer's yeast. Um, Wait, brewer's yeast or s- nutritional yeast? Brewer's yeast. Oh, so that's different. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know what? I'm pretty sure that nutritional yeast did make a difference in my supply too, just not as pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would notice, because I was eating tofu scramble almost every day. I don't know. I was just so into tofu scramble. I still am. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time, I was making it like every day for breakfast. And I would always put it in that. And I did notice when I would have something else for a few days that I was just not quite as milky. So I think that was making a little difference too. But yeah, the brewer's yeast is a big one, um, which is why they'll also tell you to drink like a dark beer. Oh, um, yeah, that's actually a really good one to point out because I totally forgot. That was my nightly routine. Um, I would, um, after I put Charlie down... Um, before he'd be nursing, like the longest he would sleep. My child, thankfully, and blessed with an overnight sleeper. And a lot of times we'd wake him up. I remember the first time he slept like seven hours in a row was when he was, I don't know, just over a month old. Um, but I would, I would drink a, um, Guinness every night. Um, because the hops is really good and Guinness is actually like a superfood. So for any of you looking that up, um, it, (laughs) the way it's actually made, uh, makes a big difference. Um, and so it's actually, yeah, superfood. It's great for milk production. And, um, like, I think it helps after like marathons and recovery for workouts. It's interesting. That is great info. Yeah. <laughs> so don't feel guilty good if you for me. <laughs> exactly. Now, I heard on the internet that Oreos helped your milk supply. I'm not questioning it. I'm just going to eat them. Yep. Hey, they're vegan. I'd go for it too. <laughs> I'm not going to, I mean, another excuse to eat Oreos. Okay, sure. <laughs> yep. That was my whole attitude ever since I had him. I said, these are supposed to be good for milk. I'm just eating Oreos, drinking beer for my milk supply. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I think those are all the, oh yeah, my sister-in-law made me these cookies and it was using the brewer's yeast. And there are so many recipes like that on Pinterest that you can look up, but yeah, those are so good. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the little things that I had that increased it. Yeah. 
it was always just a little help, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and while, you know, we're talking about food and things to help increase, I, you know, for those of you who end up checking out my YouTube channel or uh, my Instagram will know I'm also kind of going through weight loss. And after postpartum, it wasn't those where I just started, you know, losing weight right after I worked into it. Um, but that actually made a big difference because in order to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit, whether it's from working out extra or lowering your food at the same time. Um, it made a big difference because you really do need to eat an accurate amount of calories and have, you know, a healthy diet in order to um, produce milk. And so for me, um, being in a calorie deficit to lose weight, um, my milk production went down. And it was hard because, you know, obviously I wanted to continue losing weight, but I want to feed my child more. So um, that's kind of what I went through there. And not everyone goes through that. There's plenty of moms who can work out and have great production and not have to worry about it or, you know, go on a calorie restricted diet and still produce milk. But for me, that was not the case. Yeah, I think that's another thing, um, just since you mentioned it, that we should uh, sort of talk about because for some strange reason, I guess we as moms all feel the need to constantly be competitive. Oh, yes. And for some strange reason, that's like something people like to throw around, um, you know, whatever about their weight loss or Mm -hmm. feeling some type of way about losing or not losing the weight. And there are just so many factors that um, go into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so like for me, it did pretty much like fall off. I think that had a lot to do with going vegan too. Yeah, because you were vegetarian before. Yeah, I was eating a lot of cheese. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I think that and breastfeeding both just kind of made it very easy to get rid of but also like I didn't before like pre-pregnancy I was not in the process of losing weight Mm -hmm. versus like that's something you've been working on yes I mean I've been working on it for for years I lost a bunch of weight back in like 2012 and 2013 and I've kept it off um which I lost a lot of weight back then so it's not like I lost like 10 pounds and kept it off and waited I lost over 100 pounds and then um you know, now I'm kind of back losing more. I think I've lost um, close to 60 pounds since having Charlie. So it makes it makes a big difference. So for me, it's it's a drastic uh, weight loss that I'm looking at. So yeah, and there are so many reasons too why your body might just like continue to look different after you mm-hmm. have a kid. It's not even just weight loss. Yes, and um, that's this that so needs to be touched on because you know, moms now are so pressured to get up and get out and be back like you were and have the body that you had or better than you had after birth. You know, you see all those weight, um, workout advertisements online, you know, with moms who've given birth and have, you know, six pack of abs, like, you know, mm-hmm. eight weeks later, it's, it's really an unhealthy thing to go through. And, you know, I'm not, 
down, um, downing, I guess, any of the people who do. I mean, that's fine. Go for it. But I feel like taking that pressure off of new moms makes a big difference. And again, it makes a difference in, in your milk production. If you're stressing out over losing weight, um, you know, or that you don't have the body that you used to, or that you're not as active as you used to, you know, you need to give yourself some room. You, you just achieved a really amazing feat of giving birth and producing a child. So I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is another good thing that comes from breastfeeding because even if it's not helping you to lose the weight, like it is a direct, like observable way every day that you can remind yourself that your body is perfect. Like it's mm-hmm. doing what it's supposed to do. It's sustaining life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think that like the experience is definitely not all fun <laughs> and warm and fuzzy. Oh no. Um, yeah. Definitely. But I just like have always wanted to express to people like why it's so worth making that effort if you can make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you can get past that hump because it does get so much easier. Um, you know, like they're not always going to have a problem latching. Your supply is going to eventually mm-hmm. kind of regulate itself and then they'll eat solids and, you know, yeah. the pressure goes down and it's, you know, but ultimately like for me, it was just like a very special, unique sort of uh, bond, I guess, that even oh. now sometimes I'm just so happy that we're still breastfeeding. Other times I'm really ready to be done. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the the bond is something really special that I just don't know how to explain unless you're able to uh, really get it. And I think you don't really experience it until you've got it down. So yeah, it's it's almost a spiritual thing, I guess, yeah. for me because you know you create this living being, and then you're you know actually continuing to give it life. I mean, they survive. My son survived almost six months without any food besides milk. Um, and it just blows my mind that our bodies are able to, for one, create a baby. Um, you learn all that with like the week by week updates of how your baby looks in the womb. And then you have this living, breathing thing that all of a sudden you're feeding by yourself. Um, yeah, it's an incredible moment. And then they spend so much time with you and skin to skin and, your body releases all these endorphins that are healthy for you and your child. It's, it's, yeah, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Very special. Um, I often thought that like, if I adopted, I would try like adoptive nursing. If I had a Mm -hmm. baby, like adopted a baby. Yeah. We talked Um, about that at one point too. Yeah. Which speaking on that is just another way that is possible, mm-hmm. which is another thing that goes to show that like, if your body can learn to nurse a baby it didn't make, mm-hmm. then it can learn to nurse your baby most of the time. Of exactly. course, we're not like, this is no pressure to people who are genuinely like mm-hmm. unhappy and just need to stop. But yeah, people who exactly. are just, I feel like that doubting yourself and feeling uncomfortable, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Like just, you have to really trust your body mm-hmm. in that in that, uh, journey. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's, it's one that, you know, as you said, those, there's people it's just not made for that. It, it doesn't fit their lifestyle and, and, you know, that's, that's fine for them. But yeah. for, for us, I guess, especially having the support, it makes such a big difference because you, 
you do doubt yourself, you question, and you're also so extremely sleep deprived that you're, you're not thinking clearly, everything's an extreme. So all of those negative emotions really kind of spiraled for me out of control during those times. Um, but just being able to push through and have the support I did to do that, it, it's, yeah, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Awesome. I hope that can encourage some people. Um, it's really, I always want to share like all that you've had go on with people, but I guess I'm not the one to tell it because it was your experience. So no, no, this, yeah. will, this will get to people in that, in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any, do you have any like final words on the topic or on any topic that you want to say? <laughs> well, the, the only other thing I think we didn't cover that you and I mentioned before this um, was actually about biting. I didn't know if you wanted to yeah. go through that now. Yeah. Uh, so Oliver, he had a couple of times where he would bite me a bit. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of little short-lived phases. Uh, for me, I just had to put my finger in his mouth and unlatch him and just like say like, Ow, you hurt mommy. Mm-hmm. Be dramatic. And he would get like this concerned look on his face, be like, dang, I hurt mommy. Yeah. <laughs> and then that typically taught him amazing that that doesn't work while he's hitting me, though. <laughs> but it worked for something else. I think it's different, yeah. though, because, you know, during nursing, it's a time where he feels very vulnerable and close to you. And so I feel like he did listen because of that. And otherwise, he's not, you know, attached to you and it's not as important, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes they do it reflexively. It's mm-hmm. something also that, again, you just, I think you'll know when it happens, whether mm-hmm. it was reflexive or uh, them just having a little try at biting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if it's reflexive, I would just unlatch him and try to be, con- I wouldn't, didn't want him to feel like, you know, it's not his fault. Yeah. And see, my experience, I, I don't know if you remember fully but I went through a different experience with biting and it's interesting because during we didn't actually know what was going on. It wasn't what we thought. Um, and afterwards we were able to figure it out and it made a lot more sense, but Charlie started, he actually bit down extremely hard and he did the kind where he bit and yanked off while he was still biting. Um, I swear it felt like someone was trying to saw off my nipple and it, it was, it was devastating. And my first reaction was to scream. I mean, it was, it was more intense pain than I felt probably since giving birth. And so, um, I mean, I'm not comparing it to my labor. It's a completely different level of pain, but it was still a lot of pain. Um, But yeah, he did that and I screamed and then I was like, oh my goodness, did I do the right thing? And then I was told from some sources, yes, you you need to scare them out of it. And yours was different. Yours was more of like a, ow, it hurt, just expressing pain on a lower level. Mine, I think, scared him. Um, And I actually ended up calling Lechi League too because he stopped nursing after that. Um, anytime he would nurse, he would bite and pull off extremely hard. And we dealt with this for almost a full week. Um, my production started going down drastically and it was a very scary time for me. I think I wasn't ready to stop breastfeeding at the time, but the pain was, it was just so intense. We would stop breastfeeding and then, um, try again when he wanted milk and then he would bite pretty quickly and I'd have to take him off. And it it was very hard. I debated if I should continue or not. Um, 
But La Leche League told me that screaming is one of the worst things you can do because like screaming, I guess, as loud as we did, because it um, it scares them and can they can associate fear with nursing. And he could have been biting after that reflexively of wanting to um, show me that he was scared or, um, you know, really too vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, we went through that. He eventually did pick up nursing again. I had to pump a little bit during that week just to express some, which was so hard. I was getting maybe less than an ounce per side, um, in like 45 minutes. So it was, it was really hard. He didn't have a lot of milk, but luckily he was eating solids. Um, but interestingly enough, we found out, um, a few weeks later that, well, my husband and I got sick and found out that he very well could have had the same thing we did. We had extremely sore throats and other issues, and he could have been saying that he wanted milk, but he was in pain, but he didn't know how to express it. So we actually think that's what happened, but it gave us a lot of insight on how to deal with biting issues. Yeah, that's really good to know Mm because it's a very frustrating and challenging. uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, any, so many, I guess for me, I pictured, you know, oh, you can handle it calmly. You know, you can just say, oh no, and, you know, not react. But for me, I was in such extreme pain that it was, it was a lot for me not to just, you know, I'm not going to hit my child or anything like that. But it's like, I'm in so much pain. I want to get away. I want to set him down and walk away. But I know that's the worst thing I could do is just set him down and walk away and leave him for a minute. Um, and I got really close to that. Um, luckily, you know, we would stop nursing and I could sit him down next to me and I'd still be there and help him. But he'd cry and have a really hard time. But I was having an extremely hard time at the same time. So it's it's so, so difficult. Yeah, it's a special kind of pain. Yes. <laughs> but you get through it. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, as I said, you know, it was less than a week. Um, it felt like a lot longer, I guess, but we got through it and figured it out. And, you know, there's so much support you can find online or through friends and family who've had similar issues. And, and normally it can work itself out. And you can always, guys, listeners can always also feel free to... Uh, we have a Sweary Mamas group on Facebook, and you can feel free to post in there. It's clo- it's a closed group, so it's only women and mm-hmm. it's only moms. And um, if you have, like, concerns or questions, you know, post in there. And there's all kind of different uh, styles of parenting mm-hmm. that are in that group, and there will be someone, I'm sure, who mm-hmm. can give you, you know, advice or even just encouragement, so... Yeah, exactly. A lot of parenting is through encouragement and less of, I need help with this. It's just, am I doing the right thing? Can you just tell me I'm doing the right thing and smile and make me feel better? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting with me today, Caroline. Yeah, no problem. It has been great to be back on your podcast. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we'll be back. See you later. Bye.